and welcome to a brand new episode of Third Degree Burn. My name is Brian Hughes, and right here with me is my buddy Tim Elliott. Say hi, Tim. Hello, and oh, I blew my line. Ah, okay. <laughs> no, start again. Start no, again. no, 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 leave okay. it in there. Okay. <laughs> what was I going to say? I, I had a no clever idea. line. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's lost my, it's, it's gone out of my brain. I was going to do the line from Dracula. Hello, uh, welcome, and enter of your own free, of your, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what the? Uh, was it enter? Enter of your freely, own, of your enter own. Enter freely and Enter freely own. and bring some of the happiness, you know, <laughs> I was going to, oh well. Good evening. <laughs> yeah, I was going to, I thought about that, but I could do a decent book of Legosi, so. I don't so we'll scrap that, that and we'll just be, hello, I'm Tim Elliott. <laughs> That's Tim Elliott, and I'm Brian Hughes, and this is Third Degree Burn, a podcast about all things John Byrne. And uh, our episode tonight, of course, is going to be, I don't know if you want to call it shameless obligatory coattails writing or or not, but we are going to be covering a John Byrne issue of Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol. And, of course, you know there is that uh, series, and that's on the DCU channel, isn't it? The, it's a streaming, the service, DC, streaming service. Whatever the streaming I, I, service is called. I've got the streaming service. Um, I've been watching. Of course, I watch Titans on it, um, and I've been watching Doom Patrol on it. But I'm having a problem, and it's not anything to do with the quality of the show. The show's fine. Uh, the show's real interesting and bizarre, and and you know, balls out nuts. But I'm I'm my wife and I are trying to watch it too late at night because we don't want Christopher to see this. No, uh, it's it's the first comic book show along the lines of mainstream comics. Where you actually see nudity and sex in small abundance. So is it like Daredevil Punisher level or a little bit above that? See, Daredevil and Punisher basically show side boob. Yeah, and but the violence and was ramped up, and the violence is definitely ramped up. But the the, the sex is is muted somewhat. The sex was not muted here. I oh. mean, we're talking doggy style. So this is more HBO kind of or Showtime. Yes, Interesting. I, I would I would say that. I mean, I mean, you know, there's it's few and far between. It's not like they're doing it all the time or anything yeah. like that. And it's not, you know, what you necessarily what you think it would be. Um, if you watch the pilot episode, if you watch the first episode. Um, they've got a scene with Brendan Fraser, who is the voice of Robot Man. But uh, they show him before the accident uh, with someone. Yeah. And well, so, you know, that goes on. And of course, then there's a lot of um, and, you know, again, you don't uh, this is something that's common in virtually every comic book show there is. But, but um, there was uh, some uh, gay men, of course, engaged as well, though that definitely wasn't uh, as exposed as as the other other scenes are. Well, that's a uh, uh, negative man, right? Yeah. Matt, Matt Bomer's character. Yeah. Now, as I understand it, Matt Bomer was a front runner to play Superman in uh, Superman Returns. Oh, he was nice. one of the guys. Him, of course, uh, Brandon Routh, and then uh, uh, what's his name? Deathstroke, uh, the guy that plays Deathstroke. Uh, Tom, is it Tom Anginello? Oh, I don't know. In in, in the in the Flash Thompson Byzantine <laughs> universe, or the the in the last film we saw. Uh, in the last film, the, okay. in the in the Justice League, he was the one that showed up at the very end. Okay, he's the one married to Sofia Vergara. Oh, okay, didn't know that. Yeah, well, cool. So they they do commercials together. <laughs> <laughs> I tried anyway, to. 
I tried to watch this because I don't have the streaming service because I can't get it on Apple, my Apple TV. I thought, well, I'll just go to iTunes. I can buy it. Well, no, you have to, I guess, watch it from their streaming service. So all I was able to do was find a a YouTube, uh, like, uh, 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 splicings. No, not splicings. <laughs> God, I can't. I just see. I can't. I can't think today. Uh, no, it was a, a trailer for it. So yeah. I got to see the characters, and I got this. It was a kind of a long trailer, uh, but because I, I was really wanted to watch this before we covered this book, because I wanted to kind of compare. So I'll just have to. I don't know. I I, I really don't. I I can't compare the two in in any way, because, uh, I mean. Negative man is is the closest thing to what's in the book. What does his energy spirit look like? Does it look like the skeleton? It, it's a lot like the skeleton, but it's less skeleton than energy. Hmm. But the thing is, is that the two are separate. There's him, and then there's that energy being, and that energy being is somebody else. So then what does negative man do? I haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> well, also from the trailer, it looked like they have totally changed... Elastigirl, she looks more akin to, like Reed Richards. Not that she can just shrink and grow, but she at she's one point still trying. She's still trying to figure it out. Right. At one point, it looked like she was starting to melt, and she couldn't. Yeah, look, and, and that's her. typically what happens to her. She just melts. Yeah. And and you know, trying to get it. I haven't seen again. I've, I've been trying to watch it, but we're, we're trying to watch it really, really late at night. And I have a tendency now when I'm comfortable. If I'm really comfortable, and this happens to me in movie theaters and brand new movies that I want to see, I can nod off. In fact, I nodded off next to you when we were watching one movie, didn't I? Uh-oh. Uh, Black Panther, I think it Black was. Black Panther? I don't know yeah, how you could possibly nod it off because we were in those those uh, 4DX chairs or whatever. Yeah, but that, that it was the shaking of the chair that woke me up. Mm. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, it's and it's not any fault of the movie. Uh, I mean, it's just this is me lately because I've been burning the candle at all ends and just trying trying to get so much done uh, at my job. And, you know, it was the hours being inconsistent. It messes with your sleep scheduling. You get, you know, that'll throw you off for sure. Right. So, you know, that's that's what's happening there. But I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. And Alan Tudyk is is in there, of course, and anything he does seems to be gold in my mind. Who is he playing? uh, He's playing the uh, the bad guy. Um, uh, um, nobody, Mr. Nobody. Is that what they're calling him? I think that's right. Man, I like it. My brain is gone. Uh, Eric Morden. Okay. But they, I believe they're also calling him Mr. Nobody. I but think that's of what course, he, from the... when I hear Mr. Morden, I always hear it in the voice of Lando Malari, Mr. Morden <laughs> or Mr. Garibaldi. I miss that show. But, um, like I said, what I've seen, I've enjoyed, and it is there are definitely such crazy, crazy moments. Um, I'm still like a little hmm, about the look of Robot Man himself. Yeah, I wasn't. I thought he would look a little more streamlined. He he looks a little kind of thrown I, together. I think he's going to get upgraded as it goes on, and hopefully they'll make him look cooler. Because in the comics, Cliff Steele went through many different types of bodies. Yeah. And so, you know, we'll get to, you know, hopefully see that if, as this goes on. Now, if I if I could say, though, uh, talking about DCU, um, I'm really enjoying the service because they've got every single one of the Fleischer Superman cartoons 
the ones that the Fleischer did and the ones that fo- followed up after mm-hmm. that the Fleischers didn't have their hands in. And I've enjoyed every single one of those. Those are great. I watched them all as like a stri- uh, a, a big lump. It was like an hour. They showed mm-hmm. all of them on, I think, Amazon Prime. Now, I don't know uh, the quality of the ones on Amazon Prime, but these look like they've been retouched because they were just Because I'm sure what I watched it was the HD. I really, really uh, enjoyed that. And now I want to go back and look at some of the, um, not the original Super Friends cartoons, but the challenge of the Super Friends. Oh, I always enjoyed it? those. But I always liked those ones that had the weird angle to them, like the Earth has been destroyed and, you know, the people from the future come back and see what happened and, mm. you know, how the how the, the, the Justice League actually failed. Because uh, Lex Luthor turned the sun to a red sun just before it, you know, destroyed the Earth. Are you familiar with that one? I'm not familiar. That this is the challenge where they were fighting the Legion of Doom, right? Legion of Doom, yeah. And then there was the other one where the Legion of Doom had apparently killed all the members of the Justice League. And uh, Apache Chief is the one that uh, I don't know that he saves the day, but he was the wild card in the whole thing. And, and they did that on the, you know, the, the challenge of the Super Friends. Mm-hmm. They did go outside the boundaries of the normal stories and gave you something a little bit more. I think the writers on that were someone that, that actually came out of comics. Um, so I, I always enjoyed those. And I stopped watching, uh, I guess, just before the, you know, around the time the Superpowers came on. So I never watched I never watched Superpowers. Powers. I'd outgrown that. And, I, and even Challenge of the Super Friends, probably I didn't. I wasn't as familiar with those as I was just the Wendy and Marvin um, and Wonder Dog years where I watched those, you know, relentlessly. What about, what about Zan and Jaina? I watched those, but the they Wonder weren't Twins? as funny. They weren't as good as the Wendy and Marvin. In the great hall of the Justice League, there are assembled the world's four greatest heroes. Well, Wendy and Marvin was just your Scooby-Doo characters, you know? Yeah. Well, I've, I've told you, I think I've told you this, that Fanula and I, we, if we ever do it, we keep haven't quite got the costume together. We keep talking of going to a con and cosplaying as old Zan and, Zan and um, Jaina. Jaina. And we're just going to have, like, we what the idea is we want to get some, uh, like, track suits that are purple or uh, either dye some, <laughs> some sweats, get yeah. some, like... Uh, some like uh, shoes, like you know, house shoes, and uh, we've got some wigs. You know, we were just gonna go see the old, out of shape, retired uh, Wonder see, Twins, and then Beth and I should dress up as as Wendy and Marvin. There you go, and I'd be the Marvin from Kingdom Come. Did you ever see that? Mm-hmm. The, the the that Marvin was one of the guys in the bar. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> I could dress up like that. I didn't ever. Notice if Wendy showed up in there, but uh, that that would still be funny to to do Wendy and Marvin. I'm sure we could pull and that Chris off. Chris can dress up as Wonder Dog. <laughs> Ruh, roll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking so, of, before we get into the book proper here, speaking yeah. of cons, we have uh, not really burn news, but uh, next month, because uh, I believe you have tickets, right? We are both going to the, the, the Fan Expo yes. here in Dallas where uh, Mr. John Byrne and a Mr. William Shatner will be attending. This is a huge, huge fan expo. I mean, they are just, it's crazy all the stuff that they've got going on. 
at this one. Um, I'm pulling up the guest list because it keeps changing. Now they were supposed to have uh, Jason Momoa. Oh, is he dropped out? He he dropped out. Um, mm. But uh, let's see here. They're doing the Back up. to the Future uh, group again. They did that last year. And they also got the Goonies. Oh yeah, I heard the. Um... Yeah, they got everybody except except for Thanos. He's the only one of the Goonies that didn't show up. Oh well, yeah, he's busy doing other things. But uh, Linda Carter, yeah, Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, Tom Wilson, Biff. I mean, I I, I don't know you, but I love Biff. I love all the roles that, that Tom Wilson plays in that. And uh, I was just really impressed with what he did in that movie. James Tolkien, you know, the principal. And oh, he's, uh, he's, yeah. He, yeah, he was also in, of course, uh, Masters, of Masters of the Universe. Yep. Yeah, loved him in that. Charlie Hunan from Sons of Anarchy yeah, and also Pacific be Rim. Zachary Levi, Shazam. Uh, you know, I love that movie. I really, really enjoyed that. So Maybe you've seen like Shazam? Yes, I've seen Shazam and Captain Marvel. I've seen Captain Marvel. I haven't had a chance to see Shazam yet. And hopefully this weekend I get to see Hellboy with David Harbour. Oh, I've heard, I've, I've heard nothing but bad things about that film. Really? Yeah. I had not heard anything. Now, the scary thing about this con is Linda Blair is going to be there. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with her. She was the star of The Exorcist. Yeah. Well, you know she's not really possessed, right? I don't care. Okay. I was seven when my father took us to the drive-in theater to see this movie. Shame shame on your father for taking a seven-year-old to see that film. And every few minutes, he would turn back to us and go, y'all know this really happened. And, <laughs> you know, no, that movie scarred me for life. I slept at the foot of my parents' pet bed that mo- that night. <laughs> surprised you could sleep at all. Uh, I couldn't. I really couldn't. I basically laid there and shook all night long. That's, Just, that's, uh, I, well, since you brought that up, because I was going to ask you this. Yeah. Um, as a father, because I'm not a father. You're a father. Yes, and, I am. Chris is 12, 13? Yes, he's 12. 12. Uh, what is your stance on the level of, we'll say, horror films that you will let him see? Is well, he PG-13 and that's it? No. Um, Christopher's very mature, number one, for his, for his age. Uh, I mean, he's got a lot of kid in him, but he's also... I mean, we would watch movies... Uh, even at the age of like five, he would just go, you know, that was a really cool effect. I mean, he he could distinguish between special effects and everything else that's going on. And he never really got scared of um, any outright super scary stuff. It's the creepy stuff that scares him. So blood and guts and all that stuff, it doesn't mean anything. You know, he's playing, you know, video games and whatnot where he's throwing people apart and I, but, you know, the, the thing is, he, he's always shown a level of maturity in these things and understanding of these things that we never had to sit there and baby him through stuff or, or whatever. Um, so and his mother, of course, is just a huge fan of horror movies. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean again, you guys, yeah, I, I don't know if I'd say she's bigger than you. She, I don't think she, I don't think anybody's bigger than you as far as fans of horrors, all the horror cons you guys go to Fright Fest and whatnot. Mm hmm. Um, but he's never had a problem dealing with anything. I mean, we actually sat down and watched, um, the evil dead, you know, trilogy, Mm -hmm. evil dead, evil dead Two, and army of darkness. 
And of course, Army of Darkness is more of a comedy than, yeah, than anything. Yeah, Army of Darkness is kind of safe. I mean, little little kids wouldn't like it, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, the thing is, I won't watch The Exorcist ever again myself. I, I just I just can't. I mean, that 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 did traumatize me as a kid. And my son has so so wanted to watch it because of that. He wanted to watch it. He goes, I want to be scared. I want to. So my wife and him sat down and watched it. And you know what? It wasn't any big deal to him. Well, maybe it wasn't. You know, it's it, it, he's a different. You know, kids. It, it, he's a different breed, right? The, yeah, kids, in, in that, and that's you know, I mean, it's that's okay. And again, we watch stuff like you know, The Punisher or whatever, and, and we don't censor it from. We don't sit there and say, Chris, leave the room or close your eyes or earmuffs or yeah. Or anything like that. But, you know, the thing is, is that the the first rule that we had with each other when we had him was, number one, we're not going to talk to him like he's a baby. We're going to talk to him just like we talk to each other. We're going to talk to him as adults. And so from a very young age, he was quite engaging with everybody. And it, it just everybody loves that about him. And I think that's the whole reason why he is the way he is. And then, of course, he's also got the Brian gene in him. Can't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the thing is he's so much better looking than I ever was he's a very charming kid so he's got he's got much better hair than you've got yes oh my god he's got gorgeous hair <laughs> anyway uh, you know th that that being as it may yeah I mean we're, we're not we're not hiding him from stuff we're not forbidding him to see a lot of stuff but at the same time he's also careful about what he chooses to watch yeah he typically wants to watch stuff with us he doesn't want to sit there and watch it alone that's when good. he's alone and has the freedom to watch something, he'll watch YouTube and he'll watch you know, certain groups of kids on YouTube doing stuff. And yeah, he'll watch his Fortnite videos. I think that's whatnot. very common. Kids nowadays, they don't really watch TV. They watch just you watch YouTube. You know, they, it's that short attention span kind of they want to watch. Well, he, I mean, he, he basically sits and watches stuff with us uh, virtually every night, you know, uh, after dinner. We'll sit there and we'll watch, you know, one thing or another. We'll watch, we're caught up on Supergirl, uh, a couple of episodes of Supergirl. I was really far behind. And I was actually kind of disappointed in that truth, uh, the you know, what's so funny about truth, justice, in the American way. Because um, it, it, it only had slight elements from the comic book in it. Oh, there's, I've, I've, uh, I'm, I'm behind on my flash and I and never finished the mm -hmm. last season and maybe on a new season now. Um, I'm in the season with the guy in the wheelchair. Yeah, that's last season. Yeah, are they on a new season now? Yeah, a okay. new season and and some twists that you probably were like, what? So, yeah, there's a the the new season's got some interesting things on it, but it, again, it's stretched out a bit. And um, the guy that's playing that plays Cisco, um. Uh, is wanting to get off the show, oh. and so they're hmm. they're working that into the script. Uh -huh. And is he get strangled by a couple of uh, uh, detached hands? No, <laughs> I it, basically he's gonna take a, a cure. Oh, so he, so won't, he be, won't have superpowers he won't anymore. Be five anymore. Right. All right. Well, that works. Yeah. Yeah, none of that Detroit stuff, okay? <laughs> uh, looking further down this list, and I know that was a big, big tangent there. Pamela Anderson from Baywatch? What the hell? Kiefer Sutherland? That's, yeah, that's a big name. Kiefer Sutherland yeah. is... I mean, he's been in so many... You know, from the Lost Boys, Stand By Me, 
designated survivor 24 just tons of stuff of course sean astin goonies lord of the rings peter mayhew mayhew um, shows up jason patrick from the lost boys ralph macchio martin cove and william zabka from the oh, karate kid yeah it's a karate kind of a karate kid reunion but yeah jason momoa and rebecca matter whoever she is they both canceled momoa would have been a pretty big star yeah and Beth would have gone if he'd been there, but it's just going to be Chris and myself. No, but I mean that's just—it's just a huge, huge list of guests, and that's just celebrity guests. That's not, you know, the comic book artists or it's, it's voice most, actors yeah, or these, these fan expos are more uh, just autograph fests. I mean, it's really just there to get signatures. Um, to me, it just seems like like the main the main hall slash dealers room is going to be crowded beyond yeah, belief. Yeah, it'll, it'll be crazy. It's and not, it's not I, yeah, as nice just, as a... Uh, I'm oh, sorry, I keep interrupting you. No, uh, it's all right. But I mean, we're, we're, I'm going to show... I'm going to be there on the Sunday. I, I'm only... I've just got the one day and I got the John Byrne, William Shatner package. So I got that, that too, but I got it for Saturday. Yeah. Uh, so, I got I got tickets all three days. I thought, you know, what the hell? I'll um, After I flew all the way up to Boston to see him, then he comes down here. Uh <laughs> <laughs> well, don't try to kiss him this time. No, no, oh, no. That's he, like he, he tried to kiss you. He tried to kiss me. <laughs> um, I'm hoping but, his table. He always has. He has a. Uh, he has a uh, artwork that he sells, and I'm hoping if he has something affordable, I'll pick up another piece. Because in Boston, I picked up a splash page from uh, his Star Trek um, crew. Oh wow! It's the yeah, Jim Warden's got some of that on sale on the website. And I mean, it's, you know, of course, it's all number one, but I, th- I, I keep thinking about buying some of that or even the, the Romulan crown stuff because they show the warbirds. And, yeah, this is and, the the where they're and what's funny is it's the scene where they're beaming down. It's the issue where they go to the the city that looks like it's trapped in the 50s. I can't remember the which issue oh, yeah. four or five or three or four, <laughs> but it's all penciled and they just scanned it from that. So he didn't ink it. He just wanted to do it as pencil. So. Hmm. That's still good. It's still cool. But yeah, I'll be there on Sunday. You'll be there Sunday. I'll I'll be there. I got Friday, Saturday, Sunday tickets, and like I said, my my Shatner thing because I didn't I didn't I wasn't able to go to that in Boston, so I missed it. I, I went to Burns Talk, where he just you know, which hopefully he'll do the same thing. Uh, he did mm-hmm. that Saturday and Sunday, but then he had that where he was on stage with Shatner. I I didn't get tickets for that because I didn't think I was going to be there. Uh, and I you know I tried to get a soundbite from him last time, but he was a little. Uh, grumpy, so I didn't want to push it. Right. And so you may have to, um, if you want to try to approach him, maybe he'll... He said he would do it, but when I was in line to get autographs, he wouldn't do anything to slow the line down, and I understood. So yeah, he said, I'll right. do it later. So I could have come back when he was by himself. That's where I got my picture with him. Yeah. And he was just and kind of waiting. Yeah, I think I think that that I can work it out. You know, because like when when I did the one con with Gail Simone and Art Adams and and the others, like Art Adams, he 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 was having trouble and he was grumpy, so I, I left him alone. But Gail Simone was very nice and she she did a the soundbite for me. Of course, Kari Payton did that one great soundbite for mm-hmm. us uh, on the for the other show. So it you know I mean it's yeah, I, I I can gauge the situation and see what I can pull out. I just got to remember to bring my recorder. Yeah, because you you want to get you want to do the get the uh, his uh, we'll record his talk, mm-hmm. which will probably be more the same as what we've already released. But you know he may he may have some more 
inside. Oh, no, because I'm going to throw all sorts of questions at him. I'm going to ask him about the Big Bad Burn stories. I'm going to ask him about how much he hates Claremont. No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't ever do that. You're really going to poke uh, the bear, aren't you? No, 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 I wouldn't. I wouldn't dare. And, you know, this is the thing I run into with these, with you know, running into these guys. You know, last year I ran into Mike Grell. And I think I, you know, he was pretty much alone. So we sat there and talked for about 15 minutes. But in all that, I really couldn't think of questions that I wanted to ask him. I, I thought more of things I wanted to tell him rather than things I wanted to ask him. And I, this happens to me so often with these creators because I've already built into my head, you know, pretty much what their attitudes and what their, what their ideas are. And, you know, especially with someone like John Byrne, where, where, I mean, he's almost become a figure of study. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the police might actually have my name as someone to worry about. But <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Seriously, don't. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I sit there and see what he writes pretty much every day on this forum. And I, you know, like when we started doing our, our work for tonight's episode, I started going back and seeing what, what all he really had to say about, the, you know, the Doom Patrol. And you get all your ideas and everything about someone from something like that when you're, when you're doing that. And everything I've seen, I've read, I've heard, uh, you know, I've got a pretty good idea of, of what what this man is, you know, who he is. And so when it comes to asking him questions about the stuff that he's done, I don't know that I could ask him anything nobody's ever asked him before. That's the thing. You, you, yeah. you think what what am I going to ask? He's not been asked a hundred times, or doesn't want to talk about because he's been asked a hundred times because um, you, you you can almost see the rolling of the eyes and the con the conscious sigh i mean this is yeah. that's that's his common phrase on his website is just sigh when someone asks a question or something that's just you know yeah i i, I will tend to i did that when, when mike zek was uh here a couple years ago we went and got his autograph mm-hmm. i was talking more about his process for uh, doing the covers because I asked him if he did the airbrushing on it, so I'll you know I'll get into that. Like, how did you you know how did you, how did you do this? You know, and they seem to respond to that pretty good. Hmm. Yeah, I I almost want to ask him what how he devised his little paper towel trick like he used in Ganthus Tale and and other stuff. Um, I, that that might actually be one that I could ask because I don't, I I don't know how often he gets that, and it just looks like a little bit of genius. Yeah. That he's carried with him through the years. And not something that is used by any or many others. At least not that I've seen. Well, not in this day of age. This day of age where it's all kind of Photoshop. They can do that with, with brushes and Photoshop. And he was doing it. Holes all right. Me. So, do you are, you are you all done up? Or do you want to get yeah, in something no, else before we get uh, into this? I think we've got... We've, we've blabbered for about an hour. So we need to kind of get our, uh, get our act going here. Um... Alrighty. As we said, we're covering Doom Patrol. It's number one of his reboot. It's volume four, number one. Little, just our little background, like we do on this. Uh, <laughs> uh, of course, uh, its writer is John Byrne. Artist is John Byrne. Our anchor is Doug Hazelwood. Our colorist is Axel Blayart. Blayart. Did I pronounce that right? I, I would have said Blevert myself. Blevert. But I bet Blevert. Is it a V? That is a V. Okay, I must have typoed. I got it. Why? Okay, Blevert. We'll, we'll go with your interpretation. Okay. Uh, our letter is Jared K. Fletcher. 
Uh, we have two editors. Our main editor is Mike Carlin. Our associate editor, or junior editor, is Valerie D'Orzia. Hmm. Um, it says a cover date of August 2004. Uh, sale date of July 30th, 2004. It has 32 pages, and it costs a whopping $2.50. Now, that's 21 pages of art. So eleven pages of uh, ads. ads. Yeah, there's, there's actually that's that's ten the ten pages of ads because he took uh, Burn took one page to write something to the fans. Right in the back. That's uh, right. I got a few notes here. Uh, mm-hmm. It says this is the first post crisis post crisis Doom Patrol, and that they said this was this brought the Doom Patrol out of the Vertigo universe and back into the mainstream. Uh, DC Universe, but I also read that that was also done in Volume 3 um, by by John Arcudi that when okay, he did his a... Volume 3 run, he brought him into the mainstream, so I don't know which is considered canon. Um, well, I mean, the previous inception of, of Doom Patrol that, that was out there, didn't they all have like different types of characters? They weren't the, It was very, it was the, uh, the core you the know, core Rita was, uh, and Yeah, Robot Man Steel. seems to be the only guy that kind of sticks around. Yeah. Um, when, which is part of the, well, I guess we can get into that. When that this is, they, they consider this like the second book that Byrne, quote, rebooted. You know, they, they count yeah. this and uh, Man of Steel and it, well, you know, and I'm going to interrupt you here. When he did Man of Steel, he did a whole history, yeah, of of, of Man of Steel. You know, basically it was like a flashback book. Whereas, like George Perez, and, and Burton talks about this in the back of the book. George Perez did the Wonder Woman revamp, and he brought her brand new mm-hmm. into the DCU right then at that that point in time. And so here he is in 2004, bringing the Doom Patrol in brand new like they'd never been there before yeah and it, the, you know, the 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 <clears throat> what i've read is the and it just doesn't seem like this was his idea i don't know if they approached him to do this but they felt that doom patrol had drifted too far from their uh roots mm-hmm. so they wanted him to bring him back and back to basics back to basics <laughs> and instead of yeah getting into it and spending they said like six issues rewriting history why not just start fresh and uh you know, start from the beginning instead of wasting all those issues. Um, he he feels that his this run is closer to the uh, the original run by uh, Arnold Drink and Bob Haney are the two writers, and Bruno uh, Premiani was the artist. I think uh, Haney wrote half the issue and Drake wrote the other half. Anyway, Burn feels that that his uh, his run is closer to the feel of that book. Because I haven't read it, but I've heard the 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 Morrison run is gets really wild and crazy, like most of his stuff. Mm-hmm. And it had a, a almost a completely different set of characters, which was part of the reason why some people don't like this run is because it basically wiped out that continuity, and in doing that, it also wiped out some continuity with uh, Beast Boy with the Teen Titans. Yeah, I mean, it's just like what happened with uh, Wonder Girl. Yeah. You know, every time they wrote something new with Wonder Woman, it changed everything on Wonder Girl. Or, you know, any time they did any changes there. 
you know, and of course, comic books being the medium is as it is, they just find a way of writing around it. Um, but you know, and, and the thing is, this didn't get the 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 beginning that it really deserved, in my opinion. No, uh, because no, it's, it's very. This almost is like a continuation of. Uh, well, it is. The first two issues are dealing directly with the yeah. events from JLA. the Tenth Circle storyline. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I, I mean, as much as I like the art, I didn't read the stories. Because I, I, I looked at the stories for the art, but I couldn't. It was just too much Claremont. I didn't. I, I read the synopsis of them just to kind of get a gist of what was going on. I wasn't yeah. aware of... Uh, uh, Post two thousand burn work is kind of a blind spot for me, so I, didn't, I know he did Doom Patrol. I didn't know he was doing those, um, which I guess at that point JLA was doing like arcs, the way they mm-hmm. did with Spider Man a while back, where they, right. uh, a, a writer would do this storyline, then another writer would come in and do this arc. So, and they and that was a big selling point was that, oh we've got Burn and Claremont back together to mm-hmm. do this uh, six issue I think wasn't it. Yeah, six, six issues. Yeah, and you should take a look at the JLA classified story that Byrne and Roger Stern did. Uh, it was like a six issue series, also. Yeah, and Mark Farmer, I believe, did the inks on it, and uh, that's that's pretty interesting. And it, and it was one of the first times I actually saw um, JL, well, JLA in the modern age give Aquaman his due. Oh. And show him for as powerful as he is. So I thought that was interesting. But it's also a, 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 they introduce a new character. Um, but it, it, it again, it's it's definitely worth a read, and uh, got very beautiful art. So well, this one and we'll we'll get into it as we start covering the the, the book. But it does mm-hmm. it kind of drops you in the middle. I mean, I exactly the first couple of pages I was reading is like it, what is going on? Does not feel like it's part of an origin story. No, that's no. for sure. Nope. And it okay, well. You want to? Well, actually, yeah. we didn't. We didn't actually look at what else was put out. And I forgot to write that down. So if you did, I uh, got it. Please. I got it. I mean, again, it's August two thousand and four. So all you actually have was Doom Patrol number one, and uh, Wizard Wolverine Masterpiece Edition hardcover volume one. And it was basically just a collection of the ten greatest Wolverine stories of all time, so reprints basically. Oh, okay. And I don't. It didn't even say which stories were in there his. so i'm not exactly sure. yeah of his or any which i'm sure that you know they're going to have something from the wolverine miniseries with frank miller um and you know, of course definitely you know several amongst the x-men so were the ones that he was in that he worked on i'm sure that but i'm and, sure that, and uh because didn't he also take over in that wolverine solo run that started by claremont and yeah archie goodwin and was it basima um. Yeah. Uh. Basima and but Klaus Jansen wound up doing the inks right. for Burn, and so they're very. I think they were loose pencils. Yeah. Because Klaus's work on there is definitely you know very strong. I actually like it though, because yeah, it's it, a it different depends style. who he's working you know? on. I like I like Jensen on, uh, Ramita Junior. I think he can mm-hmm. he compliments him pretty good. Um, I love their work on Sp- the Amazing Spider-Man mm-hmm. back during the Rogers. Some Stern. of the Punisher. The uh, they. Uh, war the not war zone war journal war zone they did they did a, a limited yeah. run on that uh, really when when jr's uh style was i thought kind of really changing to what it is that, now was that was that like right after he'd done starbrand oh i think it was further starbrand was in the 80s late, late 80s. 80s this was well maybe this would have been Probably mid '90s, like when the Punisher was before he kind of fizzled out and became the Avenging Angel and all that nonsense. 
Oh, gosh. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention then. I... I'd stop reading then, too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get into the story proper. And I have the synopsis written by my own little two hands. Our story is called Baptism of Blood. And on the front cover, it boldly proclaims, Together Again for the First Time, Doom Patrol. The, the right. cover's got so much dressing on it, though. It does. It's got a yeah, lot we'll of... We'll talk, talk about that later. But, I mean, it's just I was just, like, noticing that. Holy cow, there's a lot on here. It's got a lot. Yeah. It's, it does have a lot of... Uh, what's funny, because at the bottom it says, The Circle Remains, which obviously means it's carrying over the 10th Circle storyline. But right. that would confuse you. You think that's the name of the story. Right. All right. All right. Our synopsis goes a little bit like this. Our story opens in the Florida Keys with a rampaging forearm gorilla. His name is Grunt, and his friends Vortex, Faith, and Nudge are trying to calm him down. Uh, it is soon revealed that they are at Doom, the Doom Patrol HQ, which is an abandoned prison. A swirling spatial anomaly, like you'd see at every episode of Star Trek Next Gen, <laughs> has opened in the sky... Over the prison, and soon the group is dodging a huge piece of machinery as it crashes through the wall. They manage to save themselves with the help of their metahuman abilities. We get a little uh, expository dialogue as Vortex, Vortex's silent scream, uh, about Vortex's silent scream, as our heroes investigate the hole made by the deadly missile. Cut to the JLA Watchtower. Batman is manning the scanners as Martian Manhunter suggests he gets some sleep. Apparently Batman has been out for like 72 hours and um, he does a little humble brag that he stayed up longer. Batman feels that uh, their last case is not over. See JLA 94 to 99 issues to, for, to get the backstory. Uh, we get some backstory on the JLA issues about vampires and dimensional portals. Batman feels he is, miss he is missing something and asks John Johns to mind meld with him hoping that he will draw about this recessed memory. Cut back to Doom Patrol HQ. A young hero is determined, determined the base was a Confederate prison, but Dr. Niles Calder, Doom Patrol's chief, uh, bought it and refitted it as a prison for super bad guys. They soon find that, the three, that three cells are open and the bad guys are gone. Suddenly, Elastigirl, a.k.a. Rita, Rita Farr, in her giant form comes crashing through the wall. She is surprised to find Nudge and the rest at the base. They were supposed to stay behind. Rita then does a time jump and recalls the previous 17 minutes we had yet to see. The current members of the Doom Patrol, Elastigirl, Robot Man, a.k.a. Cliff Steele, and Negative Man, a.k.a. Larry Trainer, arrive at their base to discover the three empty cells and the chief sprung up by the three vampires. A young man named Wormhole pipes up and explains he led the vampires to the less-than-hidden base. He then spends three pages summarizing the previous JLA issues, how he helped Crucifier, the point man for a group of other-dimensional vampires. Pardon me, isn't that Crucifer? Is it Crucifer? Crucifer. It's Does like say Lucifer, Crucifer? but yeah. Oh, Crucifer like Lucifer. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know. Sorry, I know y'all hate when I do stuff No, like no, no, that. no. It, it helps me out, you know. You know. <laughs> well, I wouldn't just talk about you. I'm talking about our listeners. <laughs> I'm sure you have I'm to sure, correct everybody. I'm, sure. I'm like Sheldon. <laughs> uh, uh, how he helped Crucifer, 
It makes so much more sense now. Uh, the point man for a group of other dimensional vampires cross on cross into our Earth and snack on a few humans. The Justice League thwarted the vampires, but the kid got away. The kid did manage to bring three of the uh, their older, more powerful vampires through to our side. He brought them to the prison, and they possessed three of the meta the meta powered prisoners. The Doom Patrol attacks the super powered threesome which is Megalith, Barrage, and Rubbermaid. Uh, they jump into the fray. We get six pages of Punchy Punchy Run Run, copyright Thomas <laughs> TJ, followed by lots of throwing and taunting. Uh, we then catch up to Rita's story as she crashed through the wall. Cut back to the Watchtower. John Johns has finished scanning Batman's brain. Batman now knows he did miss something. He remembers that they did not round up all of the metahumans the vampires had collected. Wormhole, the young ch- boy from the previous story, was missing. Batman, Martian Manhunter, and Green Lantern, uh, John Stewart, head back to the to Crucifer's uh, castle. They enter the house and start to look around. Suddenly, Green Lantern's ring picks up an energy flux as Wormhole emerges from one of his portals, followed by Negative Man's energy spirit. Uh, the spirit screeches in pain, and as Martian Manhunter tries to calm him down, he plunges his clawed hand through John's chest. To be continued. Or bum, does bum, he? <laughs> uh, we have a right cliffhanger. Yep. 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 That That is a beautiful... But well, we'll get into that in a moment. Let's go back to the front. Uh, now, what did you think of the story, though? I thought it was... Uh, I would have been a little frustrated, I think, as a reader, if I just picked this up and I would have thought, well, okay, wait a minute, I'm missing, I feel like I'm missing 80% of the story. And it's so tied to that story that you really can't just start from here. I mean, they do a pretty good job of trying to fill in the backstory with a lot of... uh, I think, though, that what's happened, though, is we've got the baggage of the tenth circle, trying to read the tenth circle. I mean, I don't know if you tried to read it or. or I, just... I didn't. I, I didn't want to have to buy it. I didn't own it, but I kind of scammed it. The synopsis is to get the the, the gist of it, but because I, I I've got the baggage of that holding me back, and so you know, even the recap of it, I was just kind of like, okay, I'm just going to read past this. You know, the the art, of course, is beautiful. And the rest of the story is okay, and I was able to move along through the rest of the story okay and follow along just fine. The the Doom Patrol stuff was was very intriguing, kept me going. But when they you know would go back to the old stuff, I would just like just scooch past it. Well, I think they could have because obviously the JLA story was introduced the Doom Patrol, and right. which is the classic the classic members. Of Negative Man, Robot Man, Elastigirl, and, and the Chief, and then they introduced the three new characters, which were uh, Grunt, Nudge. which is a forearm gorilla. His backstory is, I guess, some crazy scientist took a guy's brain and put it into a forearm gorilla. Well, they sliced that brain too. Yeah, so he, he said had he's the got reduced yeah, he, intelligence. He's got. So that's why uh, Nudge, which is a young girl who has. Uh, mental powers. She can kind of calm it down, so they're kind of a team. Mm-hmm. And then Faith uh, also has telekinesis and telepathy, and I guess she can make people follow her. She can kind of... Yeah. They fall in line, and they'll uh, you know they, they'll follow her. 
And then Vortex is uh, like an energy being from the future who came back in time and he's like possibly the next evolution of man where, or humankind uh, where he he's all energy and he has a containment suit he wears to uh, keep himself from basically, I guess, blowing up. And I thought, interesting, this has to be Burn that did this. I read that supposedly if uh, Vortex, if a human is to look into his eyes without his face mask on, they will go insane. And I said, that's got to be Burn taking that from the Star Trek episode with the Medusans. Do you know whether he saw the Medusa? Yes, he did. Then insanity will surely be the result, Captain. Is there no truth mm-hmm. in beauty? Is there in truth no beauty? Hmm. Or if you open the, you know, they're, they're energy yeah. beings. If you look at them, you go crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I think that's got to be Burns' contribution to that. Hmm. Okay. But, well, I mean, that seems that way to me. But, uh, do you think that they did this the way they did to kind of, to kind of as a, um, to leverage their trying to get this uh, series back started back again by having the tail end of this, you know, I guess they assumed this was JLA and at this time I wasn't reading JLA, so was it a hot book? I, I don't know. Um, I think they had to maybe had to give Burn something to work with Claremont again. Well, that's what I'm wondering if this is because Doom Patrol is almost guest stars in their own book. In right. This. Because it is, like you said, it's so tied to, to the this, tenth circle, the tenth circle that you that really spend this a good issue. portion of the book with Batman and yeah, yeah, and the next issue kind of but, solves you know, it. I mean, it kind of wraps and, it up. Yeah, well, yeah, in the first two issues, but yeah, I mean, this has been something that's gone through all of Burns' books at DC and the ones he did at Marvel. Is that he he tried to splash around everything. So that you could you could tie one end of the universe to the next. Yeah, and um, I mean he was really good at it. If you read Lab Rats or you know even even his Marvel the Lost Generation, you could see where he was trying to tie things in, but not be too fanboyish about it. Mm-hmm. And so that way you could get to see you know the the characters that you like from from that toy box or that sandbox, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, with these guys, you get to see them interact, and I, I'm all for that. Uh, again, you know, while I, I do fuss about the, the tent circle, the the scenes with Batman and John were not necessarily what drew me back. It was the scenes with, uh, you know, angry Jimmy Olsen, yeah, and <laughs> or whatever you want to call him. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, do you want to um, you want to go through the? Uh, actually, I want to start with the cover because we yeah. were talking about that. There's so much trade dress on here. Um, of course, you know, Doug Hazelwood featured, you know, I mean, as a creator, I, I mean, I know he's the inker, but it feels like that he had more to contribute than just inking. And I think I was trying to remember what it was because even back then I'd read something about Doug Hazelwood and I'm not sure if he had as much, you know, kind of like a Kupperberg influence uh, with, within the story at all. I'm not sure. Yeah, I I'm not familiar with that. Hazelwood really at all. 
But I'd, I'd heard of his footprint and other stories before, so I was curious if he had anything to do with it. But it, it does specifically say written in pencil by Byrne, inked by Doug Hazelwood, nothing more. So, and but but you're right though about the name. It's not Blevert. It's Blayert. So it is a Y. Oh, okay. So uh, I don't know. I was looking at um, one of the wikis, and it looked like a V to that's me. That's probably where I, I that's where I probably when I was typing it because my yeah my old eyesight's not as good as it was. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, uh, I love the the Doom Patrol logo up top where it it's got that kind of almost exploded look to it and of course they had to show off the fact that it is a number one yep because that's going to go up in value and, that's big and bold yeah this is going to be worth uh just a ton of money yeah from the pages of jla the circle remains john Byrne, doug hazel i mean it's just and you don't see this kind of trade dress around a a book anymore and you can tell that i've been listening to the fire and water podcast because i keep saying trade dress uh-huh. and that's something shag talks about all the time or or, or rob kelly who of course uh, went to the kubert school of art oh didn't know that yeah it's uh, interesting what you'll find out from their shows <laughs> <laughs> and really i mean they've got a great group of shows on that network i'm i enjoy their stuff uh, as much well, as I enjoy this the is all the stuff that they lay on they lay on top of uh and I've, I used to do a little bit of this stuff when I was doing graphic design. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you know, it's 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 not different than the way I set up our the artwork I do for our shows. I have a template that has you know, the frame and our logo and the font I'm going to use, and I just drop a picture in behind it and tweak it a little bit and change some stuff, and it just makes it easier. Yeah, but this kind of you know decoration on the front cover seems more like something you would have seen in the the 70s and early 80s. Rather than you know in the early two thousands, early two thousands, you usually get just the logo, the number, and that's it. And then a a a, a pinup of a character, rather than anything had to do with the story that was yeah, on the it, inside. Yeah, it does. It it harks back to the seventies where they're trying to, especially if you're getting a number one. Yeah. Now, the question is, do you think Bruce Wayne paid for that high def TV they were watching there? Well, does, didn't he pay for all of the Watchtower? Does, doesn't <laughs> all that GLA stuff come from? Uh, or they all chip in. Yeah, well, I yeah, figure Hawkman and Hawkgirl had to chip in some. Martian Manhunter's probably got no money whatsoever. Well, John John's, I mean, uh, John Stewart is a, I don't know what he is, and, and honestly, I don't know what he is in a... Yeah, and uh, if I remember right, he was a construction worker way back. But I, I could be wrong about that. And Superman, he's a reporter, so he's not bringing any money in. He's a novelist and blogger. Oh, is he now? And th- this time? Well, well no. At, at, at 2004, ooh, that see, 2004, they were still running on the uh, the the Burn era Superman, and so he was probably still writing for the Daily Planet. So this is before. Is this before Identity Crisis and Final Crisis? I I I think they walked away from the Burn Burn era Superman 2006. Yeah, so it's getting close. Yeah. All right, so first page. Holy cow! That's a that is one big monkey. That is a big monkey. Uh, nice little bit of spittle in his face. Uh, very looks very Planet of the Apes like. But does he have filling work on that that back wonder, molar on the left side? I wonder about that because it looks almost like it's got a shine on it, like he's got a filling. Yeah, <laughs> I mean you know, probably doesn't brush. And the the two page spread kind of actually cut into three panels. 
but still, um, I do like this. The one thing, though, that's disturbing is that aside from the ape, all the characters' eyes look virtually, I mean, not, not, not the blue guy, but the, you know, the, the female's eyes look the same. They're in the same state of distress. Yeah. And virtually the same size. But, you know, beyond that, everything else about the panel is really, really cool. Though the first time I looked at it, I was like, wait, wait, how, what, what, what are those extra hands? Is this a printing mistake? <laughs> that's what and I, I realized. Like, why does he have four arms? Yeah, but no, that's, that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, you got some nice perspective of the, uh, uh, that burn rubble coming at you. Mm-hmm. And I love the, 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 the inking and coloring work on the, uh, vortex. red swirling mm. you know, vortex up above. I just it's... thought that was really, really good. Uh, I, I, you know, and I'll say about this, about the, the coloring of this book was actually, the whole thing was, was very well done. It's nice. Yeah. The color looks think. nice. And it's at that age where, I mean, that, that, uh, where they're doing, you can tell obviously doing some Photoshop effects and doing some blurs, some, some mm-hmm. glows, some things like that, which, you know, it's okay. It takes me out a little bit sometimes because I'd rather just see, uh, I think they, sometimes they rely on that too heavily when they, you're not. You're not challenging the artist to come up with some. I mean, think of all the cool ways Kirby and Byrne and all the rest came up with cool ways to show something that obviously we couldn't. They couldn't put a glow on something, you know. I mean, you know, look at Byrne. Yeah. Kirby came up with Kirby Crackle, but uh, page four is that page four? We is first that where cut he- to. We should we cut to uh, the Watchtower. This looks like it's on the moon. I thought the Watchtower was a floating space station. No, it's, uh, at this era, it was on the moon. Okay. And that's a that's just a very moody, moody shot and kind of phallic. Yeah. Yeah. That's it sad. is, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Batman, and, you know, he's, he's, he's being Batman. Working at the control panel that's got all the crazy burn tech that you're not really sure what it does. I mean, really, don't you just need a keyboard and mouse? Well, I don't know what he's. Yeah, I, don't know what he's yeah, but, yeah, I don't know what he's looking at. He's not looking at a screen. You think he'd be, you know? He's, there's got to be a screen built into there. So, no, I mean, oh yeah, there's a little tiny screen built in there, like you had gotten on one of those compact luggables. <laughs> this to me felt a little shoehorned in. It felt a little. Well, well, how can we introduce? You know, how can we? Okay, the story's over with. I mean, as far I guess as far as you felt when you read JLA's ninety nine, story's mm-hmm. over. So you have to kind of shoehorn this in to get Batman and a couple more of the league guys in to as almost like an epilogue. Well, it, it wasn't quite over. You know, a couple guys got away, and how can we? This seems more like writing that's not. Oh, I've got a story. Here's what I'm going to tell. More of I need to get to this endpoint. What are the things I have to put in place to make it get there? And that's what this feels like. Hmm. I thought that that his Batman, at least Batman's head, um, seemed a little stiff and cartoony. It is what it, it looks a little bit when he's t- at the very bottom panel when he's when he's kind of talking back when he's turning his head back to talk to, to mm-hmm. John Johns and when he's asking him to basically probe his mind. Our minds are merging, Doctor. Our minds are one. I feel what you feel. 
I know what you know. Yeah. And again, when do you think Batman would ever agree to let anybody probe his mind? Well, that, yeah. that just doesn't seem right. Well, I agree. And he kind of keeps, he actually mentions, he says, if I just think about it long enough, I'll, I'll think about it. But, or I'll remember what, whatever he is that he thinks he doesn't know. Um, maybe because he's been up for 72 hours and he's just, he's kind of punchy. Yeah. So, but that, that seemed a little out of character there to I me. I agree. Yeah. That's the same Batman's, you know, little, keeps well, it, but then again, they're not, he's not portraying him as Bat God like everybody else is. True. The, um, the infallible, I've got a plan for everything, Batman. Yeah. The the Civil War jail or prison or whatever you want to call that, that's, um, I, I know I've seen that somewhere else. Um, and, but it, because I feel like I've seen it somewhere else, it's got a very creepy vibe to it for me. I wonder if there is an actual prison on this key. Or if it's just something that they're making up. No, you know, and, and again, this is going back in my memory about, I don't know, 10, 15 years. My wife would watch those um, uh, Ghost Hunters show. And I think I remember them actually touring one of those places. But it was more like a, a an insane asylum or a tuberculosis you know, center or whatever. Where you just have all the very sick people just locked up like this so they couldn't get yeah. out. This, but going, mean, this strikes me as like kind of an Alcatraz type. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that next page prison. when Rita comes through the wall. That's a great page. I love the Burns says he loves to draw rubble. He's got lots yes. of rubble there. Yeah, I'm looking for Barney. Well, this is very... <laughs> <laughs> now, that was from uh, what the... Oh. <laughs> the Super Duper Man or Super whatever man the thing that he did in there. Super, I think it was he, Super Duper Man. Yeah, he, he actually drew a lot of rubble and he had Barney's face in there too. This is very uh, cinematic. Very this. cinematic. And, you know, at the same time, when you look at that bottom shot of Rita, I mean, are you going, hmm? <laughs> that is a curvaceous lady. There. That is, yeah. And that, but, that comes into play in the second issue where she basically rips her, her uh, jumper off. Oh. Okay, so now I got to find the second issue. Uh, actually, I found it on on Burn Robotics. They've got uh, virtually every, every issue scanned in there. So if you just go in there and search Doom Patrol, um, you can you uh, get it. You well, can was, watch, read it. Yeah, I was surprised that this has not been collected at all. They're about to put out uh, an omnibus. Are they? Of just Doom Patrol? Yeah, of the of the John Byrne work. On oh, it. so they're going to collect the stuff that he did earlier. When he did the uh, Secret Origins work, of course, he was just Art Robot there. Yeah, yeah. But that I I started reading that when we we talked about covering this. I read that one too because that was kind of his first. Because that was my only experience with Doom Patrol was that issue and the Superman issue where they uh, Robot Man comes in where there's Metallo there. Oh yeah, and that was my only kind of experience with him. And I've got a uh, like a Masterwork or uh, whatever DC calls their Masterworks. Uh, of the original Doom Patrol, but I can't find it. So I was going to read the original issues because they said they the when they relaunched it when they basically in like '68 when the original ran ended and they killed the team, they brought it back. 
they spoiler <laughs> 50 years ago 50 but years spoiler. ago <laughs> it's 50 years ago uh when they brought the, the, the you know they had a whole new they kind of dovetailed it into the original where they had some of the characters uh have taken the same part like there was a negative woman um uh, and then there was a the chief had a an unmentioned wife that came in and she was kind of the leader of the team but they said the writers kind of didn't get what Doom Patrol was about because they were writing them as superheroes, not, uh, I, I, I get it. They wanted the original stories or the original stories were a little more zany, uh, oddball science fiction and kind of, uh, well, if you got Bob Haney writing yeah. it, you know, it's <laughs> oddball. I mean, that's just what you're going to get. And that's apparently what they wanted. That's why, uh, people, I think people liked, uh, Morrison's run on it because it was really, really weird. But All right, what page are we on? We are. Um, I believe that you're on the page where they're they make the time jump back. Right, seventeen minutes. And there it's it's robot girl, negative uh, man, and Rita are looking around. And I, I don't know why, and I haven't read the uh, the GLA run. I don't like the the way he's drawn negative man this looks like he's got some kind of a, a casing on or something i prefer the the bandages i thought the bandages made him look more like a misfit so yeah i don't i'm not crazy about um yeah that mask of, for some reason makes me think of next man something out of next man it's next man or it's a little bit like clitus from yeah flash, from uh, flash, flash gordon, gordon. yeah <laughs> yeah uh okay and they find Chief, and he's strung up. And I, from reading the back stories of the Doom Patrol, is this a robot body he has? Did yeah, they, you know, I couldn't tell you. It looks like it, though. At one point, his head is severed, and they put it on a robot body. <laughs> so it looks <laughs> okay. like that's what Byrne is just is decided to go that way. So maybe he doesn't have to be in a wheelchair. I don't know. And we've that's got some pretty freaky, actually. Uh, three of these nasty-looking vampires look very vampiric. Long and skinny, big ears, big head. Uh, and then we meet, as you said, angry, angry Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> yes. Who is kind of a snot-nosed punk who was working with um, Christopher, who is... He looks to be like... He is more of a... a a vampire in the in the what our sense of, of a vampire is that he is kind of a, a lesser vampire com- compared to these other dimensional ones, which are I guess are pure vampires. Uh, Byrne definitely wanted to make Christopher look more like the ugly vampire mm-hmm. rather than the beautiful things that we've been seeing. You know, oh, actually, he's you not. Know. He looks. Uh, and I don't, you know, he's, he's got my haircut. Um, just kidding. <laughs> well, uh, Wormhole's got your son's haircut. He's got those, those yeah. big flowing locks. Yeah. Little <laughs> jackass. This guy, not, not, you know, yeah. not my son. My son's fine. These vampires though, um, you know, not to sound racist, but they all look alike. Well, they do look alike. <laughs> um... Oh, I didn't even catch that uh, little Superman cameo there. 
It's a flashback, of course. Yeah, where Superman's uh, blasting one of them into powder. Apparently, I guess, in the, the JLA story, these vampires were coming through. They were not only feeding on humans, but they were they were grabbing super-powered people because they can apparently jump into their bodies. And take their power. And, use yeah, their power and, and and kind, of, yeah, kind of possess them and then take the form of that uh, person. Okay, so that shot on the bottom of the page where you see Rita taking up basically half the page and, you know, the rest of the original Doom Patrol there, that is such a cool shot in my mind. That's, though I guess the panel above it where you see angry Jimmy Olsen looking smug. (laughs) I want to punch him so bad. (laughs) I think that's the idea. You don't, you know, you're not not wanting to. uh... Yeah, you really want to punch him. (laughs) This, uh, the page opposite of that, when you see the flashback and you see the, the JLA just showing up. Yeah. One Batman looks a little weird. He looks a little hunched over. Uh, yeah. The, 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 uh, grunt with Nudge riding on top is, reminds me of, did you read, uh, uh, Universe X? No, no, I is didn't. It, is it Universe X? It's Marvel. And at one point, uh, it was in sometime in the future. At one point, the Hulk was kind of a mindless Hulk, and uh, a young, like eight or nine year old Bruce Banner rode on top of him, <laughs> kind of like Master Blaster. <laughs> That's what this is. This is Master Blaster. Dying times here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, cool. But yeah, that's but a, that is a, that is a great shot to the bottom where the Robot Man I looks can... a little a little. His mouth looks, off, looks like he's caught off guard, yeah. you know? But see, this looks like it'd be a great poster. The Doom Patrol's back, you know? Yeah. And I'm, I'm not crazy about this skeleton. I, I know that's a different... I guess that's a different look for the negative. I liked it better when it was just kind of a a black wraith-like form that mm-hmm. I'd seen drawn before. Like, the same way he drew it when he was doing the Secret Origins issue. The skeleton is a little too... Uh, I don't know. A little too macabre. I, I personally, I don't have a problem with it, but then again, I wasn't, you know, I, I don't think, I think all the issues of Doom Patrol I'd ever read before I could count on one hand. Oh, I, I, I wouldn't, I mean, I've, I never read any of their own proper books. Right. So this next page really shocked me. It was like, wow, did they just, they just destroyed him. They just <laughs> destroyed the skeleton. Oh my gosh. Negative man's gone. Yeah, they did. And you, what... you look at, you look at Rita's face. I mean, that that's the expression of someone who thinks they just lost their friend. Yeah. Well, they, they don't, well, it's, it's like anything else. They don't know what probably is. It's brought up that if, if his negative form is killed, how does that affect him? Right. So what is that? And this is very, uh, I'm a tangent here for a second. Did you ever read DP seven when it was new, a new universe? No. You didn't? No, I, I really only read Starbrand and Nightmask, um, and I only read Nightmask when Keith Giffen did it. Mm. Oh, you and, mean you passed uh, on Kickers Inc.? Kickers Inc., oh my gosh, <laughs> DP7, um, golly, any of those books, they were DP7 just... DP7 I liked a lot, and that had a, ve- that had a very Doom Patrol, like they've got a guy in DP7 that can that has kind of a negative form that can come out of him, so it's very much like this. And just the feel of that book of kind of just superpowered misfits is very. Uh, you want to hear an odd opinion about the new universe? You don't like it. 
Well, no, I mean, you know, the thing is, I actually, I really enjoyed Starbrand. And I, I've made no bones about that before here. And even when I was talking to Jim Shooter, I was very complimentary yeah. of him uh, about it, you know, because I really enjoyed the way he wrote that. And, you know, the new universe was his baby. And if they had given him a tenth of what they were supposed to give him, um, you know, people think that new universe would have been very successful. I don't. I, I still think the new universe would have failed miserably simply because what people want that read Marvel comics or DC comics are comics set in the Marvel comics world. Yeah. And when you get out of that particular sandbox, it's just not as fun. And well, you're missing so many opportunities. Right. And they're fine with that for one-offs like else worlds or what ifs or things yeah. like that. But I think that's why uh, the new um, ultimates work because it was sure it was a kind of the same universe, but they were the recognizable characters. This was a new universe and all new right characters. Nothing to so, relate to other than it was supposed to be something you could see right outside your door, which you, you couldn't. And time was supposed to, wasn't time supposed to pass uh, like each, each, yeah. each issue was a month. You know that that you know that was going to go away after a while. Yeah, because comic book writers just can't do that. Oh, but just it it's doesn't work for storytelling. Um, so what about this battle between Robot Man and Megalith? It's um, one Megalith looks a little bit like uh, it looks like the creature from. It was a movie called The Keep from the 80s starring Scott. Uh, uh, That's a Russell Mulcahy film, isn't it? Creator, uh, not creator, but the original director of Highlander. I think so. Scott Glenn is in it. I read the book. It's actually not bad, but this. Um, he looks a little also like the, uh, you know, the ABC robots from Judge Dredd. Mm-hmm. Looks a bit like that. And, uh, oh, yeah, uh, Ian McKellen. Yeah. Is in that too. Oh, not Michael Mann actually directed That's that. Right. That's Michael right. Mann Michael of, Mann of who at back then was doing uh, Miami Vice, wasn't he? Or th this is pre Miami Vice. It was probably pre. This is probably 85, 84. So this is the movie he did before he did. Yeah. What well, I guess he would have done Thief. And then this. Thief is and a, then, that's a great film. And then Manhunter, which um, of course uh, was later redone as uh, Red Sil Dragon. Silence of the Lion. Or. Uh, yeah, it, it actually, actually yeah. happened before. Right. Yeah, it was. Before uh, Sons of the Lambs. Yeah, Red Dragon was redone. That's the name of the book, I think, was Red Dragon. Yeah. Uh, the Keep's yeah. got a really crazy Tangerine Dream soundtrack. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Thief was in 81. And, um, the okay, Thief, The Keep, and Manhunter, right there, three in a row. And then he did The Heat. And, the, you know, of course, The Heat with Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Mm -hmm. Just one of those great, great movies. And The Insider, which everybody should watch at least once. I like The Insider. I think I saw it once. I like Heat. I'm not as enamored with it as everybody else is, but it's it, it's good. I like it. But I, I find that if it's on, I can't turn it off. That's a long movie, too. And we're, we need to get back to our book, don't yeah. we? <laughs> um, do you think Byrne has this thing about showing Robot Man's butt? Because, you know, in this two-page battle with Megalith here, you know, he shows his butt being thrown, and then he shows his butt doing Steve Gutenberg gymnastics. 
And that's it's, only if you've ever seen the what, what, what was that movie where Steve Gutenberg could turn invisible? Oh, I don't have no idea. The Man Who Wasn't There, 1983. Oh, yeah, I haven't. Not familiar with that movie at all, I don't think. Yeah. Well, it it, it had one of those uh, like Skinamax kind of scenes where he's invisible and supposed to be having sex with a girl, and she's on top, so you see her on top of nobody. Oh. <laughs> Very, very bizarre. So their fight continues. Well, speaking of bizarre, I love uh, Megalith. I love his little bikini shorts he's wearing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe they could have gotten shorts like that for uh, uh, Doomsday in Batman v Superman. Well, I don't think Doomsday had anything to hide. No, he didn't have anything to hide. That's the point. I mean, apparently Lex Luthor and Zod had nothing to contribute to the world. Uh, <laughs> so what is this? What is with this pink thing? That's Rubbermaid. Rubbermaid. I mean, M-A-I-D, I, I see it's, so it's, yeah, it's kind of... I, I, I just see a trash can. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, I don't know what... I think this is their, I think this is their first mm-hmm. appearance uh, in this issue of these characters and you know she's basically you know it's reed richard she's flat man she's um uh elongated man yeah but but all of them are actually dead now right because they've been overtaken by vampires they and that's just the vampire using that power that's just right? yeah it's just kind of like they absorb their powers yeah and they can uh my other question of course is on robot man so he's real dented up on the chest from the fight with megalith does it heal or does he have to fix it? I don't think he heals. I don't think he's a. It's not organic metal. No, I don't think so. Is this the? I know at one point he had a new body created by. Um, it, I, I only ask that because of the way his face is designed in this. You know, the mouth isn't a hinged mouth or anything like you see on Robot Man on the TV show. Yeah. I, I so, think I think it's akin to. Either he can control it, or it's like Iron Man's face showing expression. But yeah. I know that's supposed to be that the iron is so thin that it's picking up his expression on the inside. But that's one thing mm-hmm. that he doesn't have because uh, in the TV show you say you've been watching, he has a very prominent lower jaw, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. And that's not Brandon Fraser playing the part; it's just voicing it. He's just voicing it. Um, he played him. He played the, the character Cliff Steele at the himself. very beginning. Before the accident, but since then he's only doing the voice, and another fellow is uh, doing the 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 bodywork, and and it makes sense too because Brendan Fraser is a very large fellow, mm-hmm. and if you tried to put him inside the Robot Man armor, it would be even that much bigger. Uh, you know, you you could you would have to to make the armor itself look smaller because he's just such a big fellow. Well, I will say this about... Oh, here's where the... Uh, now we caught up to where the big piece of machinery went through the wall. I'm not sure Byrne has quite, in this first issue, and reading the second one, hasn't quite got Robot Man's voice down. Because from the other issues I've read where other writers had written him, he had a very Ben Grimm kind of blue-collar kind of voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this doesn't come... That doesn't really come through here. This writing, granted, he doesn't have a lot of dialogue, but uh, I'll have to 
I'm about to read the yeah. rest of this issue just to see what. Uh, yeah, there wasn't any anything to his his voice in there that said that there was a an accent or a heavy character in there. Yeah, I mean, he, he to me he sounded like Ben Graham, um, Bibbo, mm-hmm. not, not to Bibbo's extent, but uh, you know, just somebody with a a very stylized way of speaking. But you can tell that that uh, Byrne actually seems to have a lot of affection for the Rita Farr character. Mm-hmm. I think he spends a lot more time on her than he spends on the other characters. Well, you can tell in her, the way he's drawn her face. Yeah. That he has, or maybe it's just because she's usually larger in the frame, he can draw it better. Yeah, this but, is true. Yep. Uh, so we caught up to our, where the, 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 the piece of machinery runs through, which is where we started. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Rita's trying to basically snap this rubber maid, trying to pull her off. And then she gets wrapped around, wrapped around her head. <laughs> not knowing that, well, I should have shrink down. She kind of did a, um, I'm drawing a blank. And, and I, I'm drawing the same blank. I think I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Yeah. And I can't think, you know, I can't think of it. Uh, then she comes, you know, so she shrinks, gets out of the coils, grows back again. She kind of does kind of an Ant-Man kind of thing that they do in the films yeah. now. You know, he's constantly changing sizes. Yeah. Uh, through kind of one motion to the next. Uh, you know, it gives her a good rack to the jaw, which I don't think that would knock her out, but... The next page, that guy almost looks like Absorbing Man. He does look like Absorbing Man. Yeah. Or, uh, and his arms look like, uh, the Bushwhacker. Yep, that Bush Ar- that's exactly what I was about to say. Yep. Rick Leonardi's uh, invention. Yep. Or Anatenti and Rick Leonardi. And then we catch, catch back up to going through the, the wall. Catch back up to you know to where kind of where we really started. Well, yeah, we get we caught up twice. We get caught up to the Rita story. We get caught up to the beginning of the issue. Yep. Uh, and then we catch up to where Batman looks like he's having a headache, but. Uh, I guess he trusts Johns to only probe what he actually needs to probe. I mean, he knows he's Bruce Wayne. Yeah. But but he trusts trust his discretion. Yeah. And so then they decide to go to Hogwarts. <laughs> That's what it looks like. I mean, the, the castle down there looks like Hogwarts. And then the Great Hall is on the next page. It does look like the Great Hall. Well, let's see, yeah. 2004. Harry they, Potter they started would... doing them in 2001. Yeah, Harry Potter would have been out, so it's very, very likely he could have. Uh, he could have. Uh, I, I did a, a quick search a couple, couple times trying to see if there, there was any mention of that on on his forum, but no one had said anything. But uh, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll raise that question with him when, when we see him. Yeah, well, since we're on that page, which is uh, where Green Lantern comes up and says, basically, "Hey, I'll take you back to the." When they realize they have to go back to his to Christopher's. Um, uh, house or his, his castle. Uh, and the page above the panel, Batman says that means that we need to get back to Christopher's base as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, then John Stewart pops up and says, "Well, well, if someone call me by my first and last names, if it's rapid transportation you need, then he shows them an energy bubble." So, uh, what, what yeah, does that well, mean? What? What? <laughs> that line confused me. Well, I mean. Fast as possible is that his first and last name? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that yeah, means. That, is that a yeah? T- so so yeah. That's <laughs> I, I was reading that and going. You know, this is a little 
odd. It's supposed okay. to be clever, but I don't I don't get it. Yeah. If someone please understands that what that means. If it's something quippy or or, or clever or it's an expression, please write in. Yes. Yes. So they show up at the door. Batman uh, was getting ready to pick the lock. He was getting ready to pick the lock. Again, he's got to show off. He's like, oh, I'll get my bat pick out and I'll pick the lock. And of course, John's like, well, no, we don't do that. Let's go through the door and open it up for you. Yep. And this is where I was trying to do my line at the beginning where he says, you know, enter freely of your own will. <laughs> you know, and we find out that uh, John I'd John reads say- enough to pick up uh, cultural um, remarks and things that he knows enough to uh, cultural idioms. Idioms, is, yeah. Is what he's saying, yeah. He knows enough. And, he knows enough to be a part of a conversation without looking stupid. I know. I think I would rather would have said, "Abandon all hope, ye who enter." <laughs> For those that read Dante. All right. <laughs> then Batman is, you know, takes point. Well, the other two are like, "Well, you, you pick anything up." Uh, and then Stewart's ring picks up. Uh, wormhole coming through and he really looks surprised as he right. pops through <laughs> yeah and it's it's funny though because you know he says hey my ring's picking up some kind of energy flux and batman's like yeah i can feel the electric tingle in my skin it means one of crucifer's dimensional portals is going to open right here and it's just like luke kang grabbing the reptile out from the wall when he's oh, blended he? in with it in mortal Kombat. i never you know? thought that he is grabbing him isn't he yeah oh i didn't realize he was grabbing him. i thought batman was just kind of gonna go punch him no, he grabbed him right as soon as he came out. It's like he, came he, out he of just his... knew exactly where he was going to be. <laughs> and then he calls him a punk. Of uh, course. And then John Stewart realizes that something else has come through. And this confused me because I I did with the second issue. So I kind of realized, because I was writing my synopsis, I thought, wait a minute. How do we, we never saw an, a panel where uh, Negative Man's spirit is coming through the portal. All right. And I went back and read and said, no, it's, it, it's revealed in the next issue that he says, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to follow him through. Cause they see wormhole trying to escape when they're fighting the, um, the three bad guys. Mm-hmm. And then of course on the last page, that's a great, I mean, that this- is a great, uh, we'll say that that's Batman's got a great expression. Uh, it's a nice, great splash page. I mean, I love, I, re- I mean, it's not, I'm not crazy about the skeleton, but, he does draw him very creepily, especially the page before yeah, where he's screaming. I, I'm really liking it. I'm really liking it a lot. Eh, maybe um, not to grow on me. It was certainly yeah. frighten a. Uh, it was certainly frighten uh, the bad guy. And we live on. We live on a, a, a big cliffhanger. You know, it certainly want to. Yeah. It brought me back. I read the second issue right away. <sighs> well, you know, the thing is, I had to find it to be able to read it. And oh, so I had to find I, mine too. I, I found it on on the, the the form. We'll go ahead and put a link um, on the web page on the Two True Freaks web page to the uh, it, the stories on Burns' website, so you can you know read along if you want to. Okay. Um, yeah, because these and, aren't digital. These aren't digital anywhere. Right now, after the story itself, Burn has a whole page, which would probably have been the letters page. And it's got like a serpent of Rita Farr on it, as far as I can tell. As well as okay, yeah, it's got all the next, uh, all the. Uh, it's I think the, the next issue. I think is what it is. Um, next cover. Yeah, yeah that 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 does look to be 
what it is. Okay. But um, now, of course, the most of this is him talking about how continuity got messed up for a lot of characters. Um, and, you know, the, how Donna Troy's continuity got mixed up by Wonder Woman and how this story is going to mix up the continuity for uh, Changeling or Beast Boy, mm-hmm. whatever you want to know him. So it's a, it's a good read. If you have the issue, you should read it. Now, the last thing that uh, he does say, and I love this, so I want to read it, is, oh, and before we go, there's one last thing that needs to be said. X-Men, X-Men, <laughs> X-Men. Woo! Yes, there are fans who will tell you the poor old Doom Patrol has labored for its whole history in the long, dark shadow of the X-Men. But they'll be wrong. The Doom Patrol first appeared in My Greatest Adventure almost half a year before those Merry Mutants made their debut in the eponymously eclipsed book. The group of outcasts, the tragic heroes, those abilities that were more a curse than a gift, the wheelchair-bound leader, the mansion headquarters, all appeared in their first Doom Patrol story, courtesy of Arnold Drake and Bruno Premiari. Premiani. Excuse me. Months before Stanley and Jack Kirby unleashed Professor Xavier's students upon the world, the Doom Patrol even had the Brotherhood of Evil before the X-Men met up with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Sometimes the coincidences in creating comics can be even stranger than the ones in the stories. So remember, if you saw, you re- remember you saw it here first, and now you're going to see it here first again. But what he's trying to say is that, um, yeah, Doom Patrol actually, let's see, predates X-Men by what six months? By six months. But in order for the X-Men to actually have copied the Doom Patrol, they would have had, to, I mean, with the with the, the printing schedule the way it is, and they have to do it. Were they still four months behind back then, or were they closer? They were probably, I mean, I don't know what the, Even the, the schedule was then. So I think what, and I, uh, we talked about this kind of off mic, that Arnold Drake had come out and said he felt, Stan Lee stole or borrowed the idea for X-Men from Doom Patrol. You know, like I said, later years, he kind of softened on that and said, well, kind of as Byrne says here, uh, you know, when you're working in the same industry, you're, like he said, you're all working in the same the, the same field, uh, you're bound Ideas to kind of... cross-pollinate. Right, you're right, right, exactly. Cross-pollinate, that's a great example. That And as he said, at that time... Artists and probably writers were jumping back and forth between the big two, uh, sometimes using different names so they could work for one. Well, the other didn't know they were doing it, and somebody could have easily, you know, one person talks to this person. There's there's gossip, uh, you know, back when all these guys gathered in some kind of an office like a bullpen where they were all together. It's possible that stories could get borrowed. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to come out and say yeah, Stan did it, I- but. You know, again, at this point, I'm going to say I don't care. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't because, detract from I mean, either one of them. Let's let's look at Squadron Supreme or uh, the Imperial Guard or, I mean, you know, NDC has never, ever, you know, raised a, a hand and said, hey, you know, we don't like that. I mean, look at Guardian at DC, who's basically is Captain America. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, there are so many 
cross-pollinated ideas over the years that I'm not going to sit there and begrudge one or the other. Um, especially when, you know, like we were talking earlier about uh, Swamp Thing and Man Thing. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, I was mixed up on that. I thought that Len Wein had his hand in both of them, at least as far as a creation uh, aspect of it. But Len Wein did write some Man Thing stories and he wrote Swamp Thing. And, you know, you don't I, I don't know that he ever complained about one or the other. In in that regard, yeah. I, I just, you know, again, you know, it, it's a, a medium of creation. And yeah, I don't think in those cases, anyone unlike when Captain Marvel for, you know, uh, Shazam came out and DC immediately said, nope, that's too close to Superman. You, know, you can't do that. Uh, I don't think in these situations, anybody's ever sued the other one. Uh, to to say hey you know you're copying what I'm cop you know cop- you're copying our IP, but yeah but they were smart enough at least to keep him going, and because they realized that there was lightning in a bottle with Captain Marvel yeah. or Shazam, um, and you know the thing is is like with the movie and everything, you, you see that there's so much more trappings around the story of Captain Marvel or Shazam excuse me, um, that is unlike Superman that you can actually work with a lot of that now. And that's exactly what they did. They stayed away from really doing any kind of comparison to Superman. Except, of course, in the post-credit scenes. Uh, (laughs) Well, do you want to give us a quick... Because you've seen Shazam, correct? Yes, yes. I have not. Do you want to give me a a quick two-minute... Spoiler-free. Spoiler-free? I know you liked it, but uh, give me your impressions. Do you like it a lot? Was it okay? Was it a lot of fun? Chosen from among all others by the immortal elders Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, Mercury, Billy Batson and his mentor travel the highways and byways of the land on a never-ending mission to right wrongs, to develop understanding, and to seek justice for all. In time of dire need, young Billy has been granted the power by the immortals to summon awesome forces at the utterance of a single word. Shazam! A word which transforms him in a flash into the mightiest of mortal beings, Captain Marvel! You know, it was, I'm sorry, I was being interrupted here. Uh, It was really a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And I want to watch it again. Um, You know, now that, you know, the thing is, is like, there are certain conceits I myself had to get away from in order to watch the movie. You know, I mean, I I was sitting there going, you know, there's questions, you know, like, Mm -hmm. well, how does anybody know what actually to call them? And... That that right there does not become an issue. It's not made an issue at all, which is it interesting in and of itself. Um, the big aspect of it uh, isn't played too much or too heavily. You see those little nods, uh, and, and there's two obvious nods. But beyond that, uh, it's a fun movie, but it's got some serious stuff in there. I, I heard that it's kind of lighthearted, but they're there's some scary characters. One scene, in it. Yeah, one really kind of dark, scary part. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, th- th- there is some scary parts interspersed through the whole thing, and that all goes to the 
the the seven deadly sins, mm-hmm. and I'm not spoiling anything by by you know mentioning that. Um, and yeah, there's some scary things in regards to you know the kids that wind up being Billy's uh, brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and sisters, and uh, you know what all those characters are actually developed, and I really like that. You know, it, it didn't really feel like they left anybody anybody's scene on the cutting room floor, you know? And That's even the, the, the foster parents themselves, of course, one of them's Jerry from The Walking Dead, who, if you don't love this guy, every time you see him on screen, something is wrong with you. Because <laughs> he is just awesome. And uh, he's really good in that. And, you know, I mean, they kept putting the mother in a very tight shirt every time she was on screen. That was kind of bizarre. But... Uh, <laughs> It's a fun movie, and um, I think they handled the villain uh, situation really, really well. And I'm glad they didn't bring us Black Adam in the first movie. Yeah, I I think my advantage of going into it is I really know nothing uh, other than my my memory of the live-action Captain Marvel show from the 70s. You know, Uh, I, I do hear one complaint... Uh, and, and actually, I've seen this voiced on Burns Forum, and that is the wisdom of Solomon. Where was the wisdom of Solomon when when he was Shazam? Well, it doesn't seem like he, from the trailer, just seems like he's the same kid, just in a super body. Right, and that that see the thing is, this is what makes sense to me when I think about that. Is that every power that he uses, he has to call upon that power with the exception of invulnerability mm-hmm. if he wants to call the lightning he has to call it however he does it you know if he wants to make use of super speed he has to consciously make an effort to do super speed super strength flight all of that to use the wisdom of solomon he's got to sit there and really think what is the right thing to do and you know, right now he's going off of his own judgment instead of sitting there asking for it. Well, it, it is an origin story, so we know that he's learning to use his powers. So exactly, that's good. exactly. So that's good. I'm, I'm maybe I'm hoping to see it this weekend because I've carved out some time. Maybe I can see it Saturday. Alrighty. Well, what did you think about this book? I liked it. Uh, I mean, it wasn't great. I mean, it it did what it should do. It makes me want to read the next issues. Yes, that, this is true. Doesn't necessarily want me to go back and read the JLA, but it does. I did read the second issue, and that makes me kind of want to read the rest because I kind of want to read um, this because this only ran to eighteen issues, I think. Um, and uh, do you know about the controversy in one of these? Maybe it's the last issue. I don't know one of these issues that apparently, from what I read, it, it seemed like maybe it got burned into a little bit of hot water. I, I'm I'm not aware. This is so. This is spoilers. If anybody's going to read this, they haven't read this run. Apparently, sometime down the road, uh, Robot Man and Rita go back in time and inhabit their younger bodies. And at that point, Cliff, Robot Man, proclaims his love for Rita, and he gives her a kiss. But the problem is, I think he's an adult, or at least eighteen or nineteen, and she's like a twelve-year-old. Oh, so that he he covered this ground a couple times, you know. Yeah, um, and, and and it's funny because the last page made me think about that too. Um, when the 
negative man plunges his hand through John, it makes mm-hmm. me think of Generations Part 2. Yeah. Or was that Part 1, wasn't it? It was Generations Part 1. Where, yeah. yeah. And, um, but in Generations Part 3, you have one of the super daughters that uh, has been frozen in a body the age 13 who has fallen in love with uh, another character, I think a Green Lantern. And, you know, is fighting against her, you know, well, he is fighting against his desire to be with her because of her... Perceived, yeah. Age for all time. She's never going to get any older. Well... And so, yeah, you know, it's it's, uh, the moral dilemma of that. And how much do you make it a, a dilemma? Well, I mean, Englehart dealt with that in uh, when he was doing Green Lantern. It became then Green Lantern Corps. Arisa. Arisa yeah. artificially aged herself so that she could be an adult to be with uh, to uh, uh, be with Hal, and he apparently doesn't think it creepy at all. As soon as she's you know she's aged herself, and she, and she does say, "Well, my mind's aged too, so now I'm, I'm mature." But no. they have a they have a pretty uh, passionate embrace, and you know, for all he knows, he's kissing a thirteen or fourteen year old. <clears throat> so you're just hanging out, is that it? <laughs> what did you think was going to happen here? Thank you, Chris Hansen. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, was, did, Gerard Jones didn't write that. Nope. Thank you, Singler. I think it was. <laughs> I, that was a bad, bad joke. I'm sorry about that. If I offended anybody, I, I think I offended myself there a little bit. Oh gosh, Patrick Delmore, I'm sorry if that hurt your ears. Uh, <laughs> man, uh, so uh, I, this is just how tired I am tonight. <laughs> well, um, well, what do you think of it? What are your kind of thoughts on? Do you like it? Do you want to make you want to read the rest of them? Yeah, actually, I'm I'm going to go back and and read the rest of them. I think issues one and two. Um, are probably going to be the weaker issues. Two kind of um, resolves. Two resolves yeah. this storyline. I think three probably. Three is probably the true uh, first issue. And I will say this: in issue two, he's doing kind of what he did uh, in the, the Alpha Flight book we covered last time. He puts in a little origin story. So in issue two, he has a little origin story yeah. of negative. Yeah. Says negative man, and you yeah. know I'm, I'm looking. I was looking at that um, a little bit, and it looks very, very much like what they did on a TV show, mm-hmm. or, or should I say, the DCU show? Yeah, the streaming whatever for for show. negative man. But yeah. negative man it appears to be slightly different than how he's um, being handled in the comic book. So, in that there seems to be a second, uh, second individual or consciousness in control of the uh, external body. So maybe just one is the host. He just, he just I, I think him. it was, I think it was his, uh, gay lover oh, from the past. Oh, okay. The past. And so it, it's just a matter of, of uh, time to get there. And I, I haven't seen enough to know if, if that's what it is or isn't. Um, I need to watch him during the day when I'm not so tired so <laughs> I can, uh, get through the whole thing. But it really, really looks good. I mean, there, there's there's a lot of shows that I know that you can't watch like that. This is one of them. Uh, I went through this with Umbrella Factory, which I think is just a brilliant show. And I went back and rewatched all the episodes. And um, Umbrella Academy, excuse Academy, me. Academy, yeah. 
and uh, that is just a brilliant show. Um, I haven't I haven't watched it. Uh, and then Legion, which was on Fox, um, and Aubrey Plaza was just a revelation in that series. And if you if you haven't watched that, you should you should watch it. It's done now. It's it's, uh, it's canceled, a complete right? series. Well, they they completed the storyline. Okay. Um, I, I watched a little bit of it because Vanilla was caught up in it. And she watched more than I did. Um, when you when you saw that Amul Farouk was involved in that how did that make you feel well make sure make sure you kind of want to see you know some the uh, sci war yeah you want to see, see sci war yeah and i want to see it the way they did it in big trouble little china when the two guys the two wizards are fighting and mm-hmm. you see these two warriors kind of in these colored yeah above them i want something like that Whew. that looks cool wow so uh did you watch into the badlands I don't watch that show. I know it's. Uh, aren't they wrapping it up this last season? You gave me the first season on on DVD. Oh, all right, so I got you hooked. And I am so hooked. And they broke my heart last night. Oh. Yeah, uh, Beth, Beth was was. I I won't say she was inconsolable. But she was upset. Oh. And I, I can't even tell you why. Well, don't we want to spoil that? We uh, did. Uh, we kind of binged the seventh season of Game of Thrones. This uh, week, we did that in like three days to get ready for Sunday. Oh man! So we yeah, gotta make now, sure we, we for recording this Sunday. We gotta make sure we stop before that comes off. I know Beth is gonna kill me if we don't. You know, so we've got. We'll have to set some limits with with the guys. Yeah. Um, and uh, just you know, make sure you know it, it. The thing is, if we have to do a follow up recording, that's not going to be a problem. No, no, that won't be a problem at all. Yeah. That's better than trying to drag it out. I think if we set the cap, okay, we're going to do it for two hours. That's enough to cover at do, least the first issue. Do uh, our listeners know what we're talking about here? Uh, do we need? Do we, we want to tell them? Well, I mean, when this I mean, will be out before that'll be out. So um, we're doing some. You want to tell them what we're tying in? We've already well, yeah. I mean, we're, we're doing. We're, yeah, I mean, we've talked a bit about the lead into uh, Dark Phoenix, and we're going to make an event out of this now. Uh, John Hyatt and David Thompson are uh, playing assistant editors uh, in in uh, these episodes. So they're actually going to be covering uh, f- uh, three issues, but it's total like four stories yeah. or four four books of the Dark Phoenix saga. It's X-Men uh, 135, 136, and 137, since 137, The it's Fate of the Phoenix is, is a double size. Yeah. And uh, we're going to record with them this coming Sunday. But uh, we're going to have to break it up because it looks like it's going to become um, – it just depends on how long it takes us to get through things. Usually yeah. when – and what we discussed earlier is when we uh, do this in groups, we tend to go faster than when Tim and I pour yeah. over a book in- individually. Like we so well, we'll have to you know work it out and figure it out just to make sure that we don't go too long in one day and maybe well, we don't want to make it too long an episode for someone to sit and they don't listen to a four hour episode. So, Oh no, definitely, you know, definitely wanted to be able to break it up so that we'd be able to put multiple episodes out during the month as we make it, you know, an event. Yeah. And as we get different recordings from the other freaks that want to chime in on this and there's other things that, that, that we want to do. Um, I, I believe uh, Michael Avila who's been, who did those great uh, interviews with John Byrne in his studio uh, and also got to talk to him about his work on Superman. Um, I, th- I think he's available to record with us. That'd be cool. And on top of that, really cool. uh, 
Weldon Adams, and I don't know if you're familiar with the name, he's a, a friend of mine from way, way back in the day when I first started going to comic book shops. He was uh, the manager of um, Lone Star Comics, or oh, I'm okay. sorry, uh, Fantastic Worlds, actually, okay. which was the, the Bob Wayne store out here in, in uh, Fort Worth. And Weldon uh, now works at Heritage Auctions. And he has oh, yeah. been dealing with uh, a lot of different things come across his deck that are desk that are really really cool. One of the things, of course, is that big two page splash from X Men's one thirty seven of the X Men appearing on Lalandra's ship, uh, and that is going for auction. And they are expecting this thing to fetch over half a million dollars. Now, this thing has been owned by Jim Lee and a bunch of other people over the years, and they've all sold it at a good profit. But this is probably going to be like I, the biggest I've seen of, of anything. And to sit there and think that a Rembrandt goes for less than that. And, and we're going to we're going to pull off an, itself. We're going to pull off an Ocean Eleven style heist and we're going to steal it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but uh, Weldon, of course, is well versed in the comic universe and uh, is, is a fan of Burn. And I wanted to get um, some time with him to discuss that and some of the other things that had come across his desk. That uh, we might, you know, take some pictures and put out on the, the Facebook page uh, to show you guys. Um, Weldon's a great guy, and he's very, uh, he's uh, good for podcasting. I'd say. Yeah, yeah that may, might be uh, so, a nice little interview. Yeah, so so I've got a couple things here in the hopper I'm putting together, and um, we'll just see how it all works out for the uh, the event. Yeah, but and then maybe we can also throw in a number of sound bites from the man himself. Big JB. We're, we're gonna try. We're gonna, yeah. you know, if 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 at all else, we'll at least have another. Uh, we when we released his uh, audio recording, I took of him up and uh, on his talk and uh, on one of his panels uh, up in Boston. He'll probably have the same panel and maybe similar stories, similar information. But we'll record that and we'll. we'll uh, and did you um, did you realize that this is our twenty fifth? If you don't count our specials, you don't count the the half episodes we've done this is our 25th episode wow i mean that that deserves some kind of yeah. pomp and circumstance doesn't so it? i so i'm thinking uh either gold stamp foil cover or hologram Ooh, no 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 let's do six variants <laughs> that's true that's true i should release when i do the cover art for this i should release them <laughs> Yeah, you, you can do an ash, do an ash can release. Yeah. Uh, pencils only. Uh, <laughs> that'd be great. Uh, hey, there is one last piece of news I wanted to throw out there, and that's regarding uh, John Burns Elswin. Now, as you all know, he's been uh, working basically on his own in writing and drawing his uh, the X Men, continuing after issue one thirty seven. Uh, whereas in his story, Jean Grey has survived and has just been basically lobotomized by the Shi'ar. The story, of course, is you know following the X-Men, not Jean, though there is a Jean subplot in there. And uh, I think the Jean subplot is going to show that she still has some of that big power in her. The, the world has been really, really quiet when it comes to Marvel. C.B. Savolsky met up with Byrne in Boston and said they really want to do this and uh, you know they'll, they'll get everything in line and they'll get back to him. But Byrne actually hasn't heard or he hasn't told us that he has heard anything back 
from Marvel. And so people are starting to wonder if it's ever going to happen. He has been giving hints that says, you know, don't give up hope. It, I think it, it, it seems like something could happen. I think they're why why would they wouldn't do it? It's money in the bank. You know, yeah, why? well, and that's the thing. Now, one thing that he has been told is that a ton of people have been writing into Marvel saying, don't do it. Burns a devil. You know, that kind of stuff. You know, it's the whole big bad burn story thing. You know, we're, and I just don't know what to attribute that to. Why would would people really be going to Marvel and say, don't publish a burn book? Yeah, I can't imagine that. It doesn't that's make it. any that's, sense. That's, it, yeah. Yeah. That's just walking. That's just leaving money on the table. But I mean, I'm sure there's there's reasons why they wouldn't want to do it. But, but it, one thing he's promised is that if it doesn't see print through Marvel, you, you're going to be able to see it on his website. Mm-hmm. And so you know he's got at least eight issues done, I believe. Uh, you know he's completed, but he's actually going back. He's starting to George Lucas it. Yeah. And well, it, yeah, and that's that may be a problem if he holds on too long. And he starts tinkering with it too much. You can kind of, you can kind of tinker the freshness out of it. Yeah, but uh, you know, I, I I I just hope that enough people let Marvel know they really want to see this. And, and and I mean, I guess that's all you can do is just you know, destroy the email box of CB Savolsky. Let them know you really really want to see this. Don't let I, anybody I, I else hold you. I think you, you can tell from. Uh, and maybe that's why he's doing these more of these conventions because you know he said he was he was he was kind of done with them, but uh, so far he said you know basically it's Shatner asking him to do it. He can't turn Shatner down. Yeah. He's got that Star Trek OCD, and apparently he's got OCD in a couple other areas, and X Men seems to be one of them because it, it, it's just flowing off the pen for him. Yeah, and then they just I think that stuff bottles up in him and he's got to get it out. Yeah, so you know, I mean, in, in my mind, it's going to come out one way or the other, and I'll be glad to see it in whatever form I can get it in. The only concern I have is Byrne himself is is penciling it so that someone else can, can ink it. it, and you know, everybody's sitting there throwing names out of who they like to see ink it, but a lot of those people aren't even in the business anymore. And the last person that they should really consider to ink it is Terry Austin. Because after all these years, their styles have changed so much yeah. that they've really drifted away from each other. And it, it would be better to get someone else that would be more faithful to the pencils. But, you know, maybe you want somebody that can give it that organic kind of turn that Terry Austin used to put into it. But we don't know. Yeah, we'll just I don't have know. To wait I would think, I think Austin could do a good job. Uh, Leighton, Palmer, I think. Anyway. All right. So, got any- actually... I, I would like to sit there and ask your opinion and, and our listeners' opinion. Uh, what you think? You know, I've been listening to – I was talking about listening to the Fire and Water podcast lately. And one of the things that they did that I thought was really interesting was they picked their favorite covers from their Aquaman and Firestorm issues, all of them, you know. And basically talked about, you know, their top 10 favorites and what they really liked about it and why, you know, it was so important or whatever. And I think that's something that you and I might be able to do uh, a nice quick show where we talk about various covers because there's a lot of covers he did that had nothing to do with any of the books he's yeah, working I, on. I picked and, up a, uh, a Human Fly book that I'm thinking about yeah. having him sign because he just did the cover for it. 
Yeah, I, I can recall that. I mean, there's one that. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of times he would do covers like, like why is he doing that? Maybe it's just because they kind of threw something at him, but he wanted to, and he wanted to, to do it. He would just some oddball stuff would show up, but. Yeah, I think that's something you could we could uh, you know yeah we could do a show on it, but you know to the listeners you know if you've got a favorite cover put it up on uh, post it on a third degree burn you know yeah let us see and, it and and we'll talk about it too yeah yeah yep. maybe we'll anybody, do a reader we'll do anybody a reader's that choice writes kind of in thing. or posts on that we're gonna sit there and, and say your name out loud to everybody yep <laughs> so you know no no pictures of yourself in compromising positions absolutely not. You got anything else? No, I think we need to wrap this up because it's uh, late and we're two old men. Uh, yes. It's when you get our sleep. So, uh, I, I'm, I mean, I, I'm good. I mean, I give this, I would give, we don't grade books, but this is a, uh, it was a fun start. It makes me want to read the next one. And I think uh, we'll see where it goes from here. Yes, I agree. Yep. I agree. All righty. Well, for Third Degree Burn, I'm Brian Hughes. And I'm Tim Elliott. Good night. All right. Good night. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn.